a very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. The August 7th edition. August 7th. First Friday, though. It is First Friday. First Friday. And a little bit later, I'd like to talk about First Friday devotions. Oh, Test your memory a little bit. Oh, it's a test. (laughs) We talked about this last week, that the last couple of hours on a Friday is not the time to... No, test mental capabilities, cognitive so, cognitive skills. <laughs> I'm trying something new though. I'm I'm eating like some candy right before the show. Mm-hmm. So I get all sugared up. We did take naps though. <laughs> that I, I was, should help as well. <laughs> you were under the blanket on the couch, and I'm Good over here morning. in my easy chair, and I Good thought this morning. is like a rest home. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, what it would be like to like not have to have it go to work. Just, you know, you just just you take a nap now, and then they wake you up for dinner. Mm-hmm. Kind of like being back in infancy, right? Well, I just don't want to miss bingo night because that's a lot more exciting than what, you know. It's true. It's been several months and I don't know. Anyway, here we are. We're happy you are here as well uh, today. Hey, great show today, Jim. You have some great guests lined up. Well, a little later on this hour, Kristen DC, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, from the Human Condition Community over in Philadelphia. she has a wonderful story. She's uh, um, a student at Temple University. Yes. And founded this organization uh, to help people deal with their um, mental Ill- mental illnesses. but With a Catholic perspective. Y- and, you know, it's, some people think you can't have one. You can't have, the, you can't have them both. You can't have this, you know, this, this mental illness and have faith at the same time. Right. But uh, Kristen's going to talk about that. She uh, has founded this uh, the human condition community, and she'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jim can't be here with the weather, so I'll have to be weatherman today. Uh, but next hour, Father Gary Koch, something else. I think there was there's been demons flying around here. I got to tell you because <laughs> my computers, everything is out of whack. Father Gary, too, usually, you know, these good, wonderful holy priests who uh, so faithfully send us their reflections because of the storm this week. He had he lost power, mm-hmm. has no power. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Father's going to call in and, and do his reflection live over the air for us today. Oh, so wonderful. that's great. Uh, and then next hour also, Alan Migliorato. Uh, we've had Alan on before. He's written another book called Failing Forward about um, uh, teens and raising your teens in the faith and to be leaders and to be Catholic leaders and so we'll talk about that as well. So nice program, some music and talk. And Hopefully you have power. I know a lot of people are still suffering. So we pray for all those who are still, um, at least the weather hasn't been extremely hot in all these days. No, you these know, past, but the day, of the, the day of the storm was muggy and warm. We had no power. Right. We had no air, air conditioning. Yeah. And that was my purgatory. But um in fact, I did because we don't have we don't currently have a generator, and I thought, okay, now it's time to get one because this happens a lot. And they can't even return your phone. And call. I called them, and they <laughs> said that okay, but because of the high demand over the past few days, we'll get back to you next week. Mm. So people are just. Um, and it's strange. I mean, I thought, well, wh- what do I know about the grid and the way all the wiring goes? But in our little section, a tiny little circle. Um, when you first enter towards the right, you saw the street lights and some people where yeah. you could hear the air conditioners. Right, right. And then on our side, we were lulled to sleep by the uh, <laughs> air 
<laughs> drone all of night the long. neighbors. Generators. Oh, and not just one, uh, multiple neighbors yes, all night long. Yeah, and God yeah. bless them. I mean, they you know they have the right to do that. Not, Absolutely. In case they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, it'll be our it will our day will come. I'll mm-hmm. get us a generator. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with our prayer. And thanks to everybody who's been um, requesting these prayer cards. We, uh, you know, we've been sending them out the past few weeks. Multiple they are getting out there. So yeah. we encourage you, my friends, to to get your free. Uh, prayer cards uh, praying for the United States of America, and it's this beautiful prayer that was prayed in 1959 at the dedication and uh, consecration of the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington D.C. Our Catholic National Basilica, and of course, our country is under the patronage of our Blessed Mother under that title of the Immaculate Conception. So this prayer prays through her intercession to the Holy Trinity to. Uh, Just pray for our country, and and we do need prayer. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. Amen. And we'll pray our prayers to St. Michael the Archangel and to Our Lady. Uh, as Holy Father asked us two years ago to pray these prayers, particularly for uh, to, the intention of protecting the church from the attack of the devil, but also we're including to protect the country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend Defend us in battle. Be our protection protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us, Venerable Archbishop Sheen. Pray for us, St. Pope John Paul II. Pray for us, and Our Lady of Good Remedy. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you again, friends. And if you want a copy... And you can request as many as you like. Uh, They're free. They're our gift to you. Uh, Go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Put your cursor over the prayer link, and a 
menu will drop down. Click on Prayer for the United States of America, and all we ask you for is your name, your address, and uh, how many you want, and we'll get them out to you. We send them out once a week. Uh, Janet and Elizabeth come in and do their wonderful work here, stuffing these envelopes, and um, so you will get them. But uh, first, you have to let us know you want them. So go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and put your cursor over the prayer link, the drop-down menu, click on Prayer for the U.S., and give us your information. And just get them out there. You know, I, in fact, I was saying earlier this week, because I, I announced you know, maybe some of the good pastors would allow us to put these in the entrances to the churches, but then I was reminded, but they're not putting anything out in the entrances of the churches anymore. You are correct <laughs> so about that. We yeah. can't do that. Uh, even some. Well, we've just started with our bulletin, yeah. but it's been months mm. where things are all online. Yeah. And even if you have... Um, you know, a, a liturgy guide for your mass. Mm-hmm. It's online. It's on the parish website. Depending on where you are, you want to check that out. But it's the the parishioner's responsibility mm-hmm. to then print it out and bring it with them because they don't want things left in the pew. Right. They don't want things being reused. Everyone's taking every possible cautionary measures yeah. that you can. Yeah. So um, just order them, get them out, pray them, and pray for our country because uh, we do need prayers and. Uh, um, also, thank you for your prayers. We've been today, yesterday, today, I mentioned, I don't think I mentioned on the air yesterday, but during the windstorm, and I saw this yesterday when I opened our little back door here, a gutter came down oh. and um, some of the uh, siding, the strip that was protecting the eave, about seven feet of it came off, it was still hanging there. It was, and, so my fear was the eve was exposed, and you know any any of our animal friends could get get back in and take over residence up in the <laughs> attic again, and we don't want them up there. So I, all, I tell you, all night long I'm worrying. Okay, now what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get it fixed? I, you know, I can't get on the ladder and do it. Called our good friend, one of our good board members this morning, and said, you know, we ha- had a handyman locally that we can get, and I called him. He couldn't come, so I'm still panicking, and and I forgot that we had. Um, ordered some stones for the air conditioning unit area back there where this damage also occurred and um, because the weeds were growing. So it would just be easy to put stone back there. So when I came in this morning, I went back to look at the stone, and I noticed that the eave and the gutter were back up. So I'm assuming the men who delivered the stones put it back up. But I asked, you heard me ask our engineer, Nick, I said, tell whoever, because he ordered the the stones. I said, tell them thank you for doing that if they did it. (laughs) If they didn't do it. Some little angels. Angels came by. I'm telling you, St. Joseph, somebody came by and did it because it was all back up again and looks very nice. Wow. So Mm. I was very pleased about that. And then also great news because I've been sharing this with the listeners. You know, two two months ago we had that Direco storm come through Mm -hmm. that blew out our AM transmitter here at 1260, um, which was over 30 years old. And I've been praying, praying, praying. It's about a $38,000 job. Um, but then I did get the insurance company involved, and they did determine because it was a storm-related that it was an accident. Anyway, I got a call from the insurance company. They're going to get us a new transmitter. Mm. So that was taken care of today. All, all of that good news. And I was sitting in the chapel thinking, okay, Lord, yesterday I was a mess worrying about all this stuff. And here he's saying, just like this Sunday's gospel, mm-hmm. why were you afraid? Right. right. That's what he said. Why were you afraid? Be not afraid. Oh, you little of faith. So we're going to hear more about that when we have our Gospel Reflection uh, next hour by Father Gary Koch. But let's take a break. Coming up, we're going to be joined by uh, Kristen D.C. And, and talking about the human condition community. So you stay where you are, friends. There's more to come on Friday Live. Hallelujah. 
Welcome back. Kristen, we greet you with a immense applause. <laughs> there you go. That's a nice awesome. intro. 
Well, we want to welcome Chris, uh, Kristen D.C. She's the founder of The Human Condition, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, currently lives in Philadelphia as she finishes her degree in adult and organizational development at Temple University. And much of her faith journey and reversion back to the Catholic Church has been a result of participating in a yearly mission trip to mustard seed communities in Jamaica and uh, with a, mo- a move, move a Mountain Mission, a nonprofit organization involved in Pittsburgh. Through encountering both the material and physical poverty of those she served in Jamaica, Kristen was confronted with how the Lord wanted to use her own poverty in battle with mental illness for her greater glory. Thus, the human condition was born, and we're happy to welcome her to the program. Kristen, great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be here. Anxious to hear about the project, Kristen, because it was very close to your heart, and it's something mm-hmm. you personally suffered with, and I think it's being raised um, uh, uh, into awareness of, of the general population these days, you know, that many, many people suffer with mental illness, and of course, so many of our friends are suffering even more these days because of the pandemic and being shut in and getting mm-hmm. depressed, so... Um, and then the first thing that comes to mind is we're, we're lonely, we're depressed, we're shut in, so we pray more. So how could anybody deny that our faith and some of these sufferings are not directly related? But how how did it hit you over the head that there was a direct correlation? Yeah, I think um, after really going through intensive therapy and recovery myself, after dealing with some depression, and then kind of that being the reason that I kind of fell more deeper into my faith. Um, There was really just such a deeper sense of um, healing once I really encountered the Lord um, and allowed Him to enter into my suffering. Um, I think when people are dealing with mental illness, it's so much bigger than themselves. And so while psychology is so necessary in understanding the brain and, you know, why we suffer from these um, diseases and disorders— there's just an ultimate healing, I think, that only Christ can bring and just, yeah, just a truer sense of freedom when we surrender these illnesses to him and allow him to um, enter into that suffering with us. Were you born and raised Catholic? Yes, I am a cradle Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my parents have definitely shaped and formed a ton of me. And I'm really grateful for their example, um, but just fell away from the church throughout middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, ultimately through dealing with these issues, uh, fell deeper in love with Christ and the church. We, we noticed, Kristen, because we're a couple of uh, senior citizens, so to speak. I'm more senior <laughs> than Cheryl. But it seems to us, and we've talked about this a lot, that, that your generation seems to be more— um, uh, was vulnerable to men- mental illnesses, or is it just that we talk about it more, or is it the the culture that that drives it more? I mean, why 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 is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. I think there's definitely a ton more research around mental illness, so I think that definitely catapults people to talk about it more. So I think there is there has been an increase over the past you know decade or so of just increased awareness and people want to talk about it more. And I do think our generation faces a lot of um, different societal and culture pressures and just differences and maybe in past generations that might, you know, affect uh, higher rates of mental illness. But um, I'm really not sure. I think people have always struggled with it, but I think there's just a lot more awareness, research and Mm -hmm. science behind it now that give people the language to Mm -hmm. really talk about it. 
Right. And a lot of times uh, one knows that they're suffering. One might realize that they need help and they don't know where to turn. And so they mm-hmm. might just go to the yellow pages or, or Google. And a lot of the um, God bless them, you know, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, they're, they're strictly on the scientific side. But I, I think mm-hmm. we could raise awareness that um, certainly there are there are Catholic psychologists who can bring in the mm-hmm. faith because we are mind, body, and spirit. Totally. Yeah, that's super important. I think that's been really beautiful in my own like therapy journey. I went to just a secular therapist for about five years, which was a huge blessing, and I learned a ton from her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as I started to grow into my faith, there really was that spiritual element that I needed. Um, and really just psychology that aligned with my values um, and somebody who understood from the background that I was coming from. So Catholic therapists, the ones that are out there, um, are really essential to our church and have such a beautiful ministry in what they're doing. Because, you know, we have the communion of saints as our support group. Of course, there's, you know, many support groups. Mm -hmm. You can physically sit in a room and, and have these discussions, but then you go home. But why not pick up the lives of the saints, St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Edith Stein, St. Therese, Mm -hmm. Dorothy Day. They have all experienced different aspects and forms of mental illness while they lived their lives here on earth. So we can unite our sufferings. And it also shows that no one is... um, outside the realm of becoming a holy saint, you know, just because they were anxious mm-hmm. or depressed yeah. or, you know, that they, they too could rise to sainthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Those saints have had a huge impact in really just coming to terms with my own illness and giving me the encouragement I need um, to really believe that I can also become a saint in the midst of this um, illness. We're talking with Kristen D.C. She's the founder of The Human Condition. And so let's let's get into that a little bit, uh, Kristen. Tell us about mm-hmm. the organization, The Human Condition Community. Yeah, so we officially launched back in April um, on Divine Mercy Sunday. Just this has been a dream of mine to start this organization for about the past five years. And just through quarantine, I had a lot of time to work on it and really get it up and running. And so we're essentially an organization that strives to cultivate hope, healing, and conversation through the integration of faith and mental health. Um, So what that really looks like is we desire to change the narrative that mental health and faith are mutually exclusive. Um, So often in church circles or um, in different church communities, people think that there is no intersectionality between um, the topics of faith and mental health. And so we really break down our mission into three pillars, which is hope, healing, and conversation. Um, and so we hope to inspire those living with mental illness that, yeah, God has a plan for them, um, which is to be a saint in the midst of their suffering. Mm. So that's essentially the gist of what we are. <laughs> so when you say we, is it is it an actual community there, or is it an organization that just, how are you communicating? How are you, how are you organizing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we um, will ultimately be a nonprofit, a certified 501c3. We are in the midst of getting certified and doing all of that fun paperwork. Mm-hmm. So r- right now the team is just me and my board of directors um, who really are just helping me shape the vision and the mission and really just get ourselves grounded. Um, but right now we have a strong online presence through our Instagram, 
where we promote a lot of content and engage with people on there. Um, in the works right now is a podcast, so stay tuned for that. We have some things up on our blog of just some stories and some other pieces of content that go a little bit deeper um, than the Instagram posts do, so definitely check out those. Um, but as our organization, you know, grows, we have a lot of exciting things in the works um, for the future. So, so using social, that'll be exciting. Using social media, and and who is your target audience, or mm-hmm. is there a target audience? Yeah, the target audience, I think, is anyone who's ever questioned where the church stands on mental health and mental illness, or especially people. I mean, I think I fell into this target audience when I was coming back into the faith. I felt like there wasn't a place for me in the church because of my mental illness. And so I think there's a ton of people who have, yeah, unfortunately been outcasted or felt hurt or wounded by the church because they feel like there's not a place for them, or they feel like their mental illness is a result of not praying enough or not God not loving them enough. So really just to reach those people and to invite them back into the church and to really instill within them that the Lord loves them and that he desires to enter into this illness with them. Well, you know, um, Kristen, these people that are suffering, so the first thing they do is lose hope. Why am I here? I'm not contributing to Mm -hmm. society. I must have, they turn on themselves and they start feeling guilty. God must not love me because I wasn't good enough or I didn't do enough good. I'm being punished. I mean, there's so, you know, and Mm -hmm. you know, people have this array of feelings and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to go. And it's beautiful that you're there at Temple University, which is a huge student body now it might be a little different this coming semester but you know these young young people go there and they're just lost among hundreds and you're even amid like a city feel you know where I went to school you got on campus then there were no cars you closed the gate and you had your own little safety village well you're like Mm -hmm. right there in the heart of Philadelphia and one could just get lost in the numbers so the first thing we need to do is impress upon them that there is hope there is a reason for you to be here because their self-worth is just bottoming out mm-hmm. yeah totally now uh, let's let our listeners know uh, Kristen how they can find you on online mm-hmm. and uh, as we mentioned yeah, Instagram. our website is the human con- human condition community.org and we are also on Instagram as the human condition community so definitely find us there We have, yeah, a lot up and coming within the next few months, and obviously as this organization continues to grow, we have an awesome resource right now, which helps people find a Christian or Catholic counselor in their state. So you can find that on our website, click your state, and get connected with somebody. Um, A lot of therapists are offering telehealth right now, so Mm -hmm. even if you don't find someone in your direct area, reach out to somebody. Um, So that's where you can find us. Mm-hmm. The it's the human uh, community human com- human yep. condition the community human condition community dot org. Make sure you put the the in front yep. of that there. Okay. So um, now, when people go there, uh, is there a way to interact with with your members if they have questions or if they even if they have have a you know are having a problem having mm-hmm. an illness that they need to discuss initially just to what do I do how do I how do I deal with things is it that interactive or you just direct them to yeah, a Yeah, I mean, so we have an email. A lot of people have emailed us with different questions um, 
or things that they want to talk to me about. So definitely I recommend emailing if you have any questions. I'm always on Instagram. You can message us there on Facebook. Um, so that's, I would say, the best way to, to engage right now. Now, your degree that you're studying for adult organizational development uh, at Temple, yep. what, what year are you at in, in right now, by the way, may I ask? Yeah, so I am an upcoming senior. I graduate in December. Okay, very oh, good. Wonderful. Yeah. So describe a little mm-hmm. bit um, adult and organizational development. Can can you uh, define that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, it is a, definitely a new major, so not many people know what it is. Yeah. But it's kind of um, a multidisciplinary major. It's in the College of Education, and so it deals a little bit with education, but it really focuses on organizational structures and processes. So how do we understand organizations? How do we address conflict in organizations? Um, And it deals a little bit with like sociology, understanding people and how they work with others. Um, Yeah, it's it's very broad, um, but also really good for what I'm trying to do. I'm sure I'll ask you this because as you're speaking, I'm thinking of my own journey in, in, as you know, heading an organization, an apostolate like this. That we have here, but mm-hmm. I, I, you look back and you see how the Lord has drawn straight with many crooked lines along the way. Have you seen yeah. your your path and your journey and say, "Oh, that's why I was there," or "That's why I did that," or "That's why I met mm-hmm. him"? Did you see that as you look back in hindsight? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. I actually, my freshman year, I wanted to take a gap year and do mission work, mm-hmm. um, and my parents were not for that, and I I really had an aversion to going to school at all. Um, didn't get accepted to my top school. And so I ended up at Temple, didn't want to be there, thought I was just going to go for a year. Um, and yeah, really the Lord, my time at Temple has been so, so formative. Um, I actually just got engaged. I met my fiance at Temple. Um, so he really has, yeah, just such a greater plan and his plans are so much better than mine. And so it, it really has been so providential, just kind of everything that I've tried to avoid, the Lord has insured made happen and um it's just really beautiful this organization wouldn't exist if yeah i wasn't in philly and didn't meet certain people so right it's great our our youngest son graduated from temple i think it's four years ago right that's right and he too initially we were trying to encourage him to go there and he didn't want to go there in the worst way he did one year at montclair of all things and things just didn't work out up there at all and um he wound up then going to temple and then loved it lived in the newman building newman center building right there's like a Catholic. Oh yeah, that's where I live. Well, oh, there you go. Well, he loved living there. Well, yeah, he was on oh, the yeah. third floor, and I helped him carry his groceries every other week. <laughs> <laughs> that bought my time oh, out boy. of purgatory. Well, no, but that's a wonderful place then, and and it it served him very very yeah. well. You're doing fabulous yeah. things, Kristen, and we're hoping that we can stay in touch. And as you know, things yeah. unfold, or maybe you're going to be in some area or giving a talk or anything. Do do think of us. Yeah, let us know because we have a many a large audience in the area, and we want them to l- learn more about you and get and the word out if we can. Yeah, yeah, uh, Kristen, totally. Yeah, that that is much appreciated. Oh, our, our our joy to do that. Kristen DC, the founder of Human Condition, and again, friends, the web uh, uh, site is thehumancondition.community.org. Check it out or direct others that you uh, believe might uh, help be helped from that or by that. Uh, investigate a little bit more. Thehumancondition.community.org. Uh, Kristen DC, thanks so much for being with us today. And again, please always feel free to reach out if you need us for anything. We're happy to, to help. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're Good welcome. luck. God bless you. Thank you. Bye bye now. Thank you. All right, friends, you stay where you are. There's more to come. We'll come back with the weather. We're going to name that Catholic tune, so don't go away. 
God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. All right, that means it's time for the message media weather forecast. Jim couldn't be here. He said he had a he had a client at four thirty. So he's off on well, assignment. Well, at least he's safe. You know, he's we were worried assignment. about him. Although a lot of people have still, you say, still have no power. I know I from. Isaias. What's is that the name? Isaias. Isaias. They shouldn't have just said. Although Isaiah. I did see that was like the the names coming up. I think the next one is Josephine. There's a Nana N A N A. There's a Teddy. So it's like names Normal that we're familiar names. with. Yeah, but never heard of that one. Isaias. People make up names, you know, and I never heard that one. Isaias must have been a misspelling, but a computer it hit, error. It hit New Jersey stronger than it hit Florida. Well, Just yeah, and it, it was inland. Came, right. It was really west of us, even in Bucks County. It was west. So, right. Anyway, so in lieu of Jim giving the weather forecast, I will give it tonight. Variable clouds with scattered thunderstorms low around 68. Winds east-northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of rain tonight, 60%. Tomorrow, a high of 84 degrees, mostly uh, to partly, mo- partly to mostly cloudy with a chance of thunderstorms. and uh, Light winds again. A chance of rain tomorrow, about 40%. Sunday... 89 Ooh. intervals of clouds and sunshine. So, but hot. Nice. And a little bit more humid, I'm sure, because I see the winds are out of the west, southwest. Uh. Monday, 92. Mm-hmm. Monday, August 10th, 92. Suns and clouds mixed and winds uh, 5 to 10 miles per hour at 92 degrees on. So I'm sure the humidity is back. And it looks that way for the rest of the week in the 90s, uh, low 90s, upper 80s, right through next Friday. 
Well, it is summertime. It is August. But I always mm-hmm. say, now the 15th is when? Next Saturday, the 15th? Yes, yeah. the Assumption Parade. That's usually the day that things start to cool off at night. In the evening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the shore forecast, I think, is a little bit, just a little cooler by the shore. But, um, mm. you know, the sun will shine. So, that's the weather. I'm sorry I'm not as proficient as Jim, but... And I can't ask you any questions. Yeah, you can. Well, you quick look it up on Google. That's sure. I'll look it up All on right, my weather so app. All right, wh- so why do you think... No, maybe somebody has an opinion. Give us the give the phone number. Maybe someone has the a text question. Number, text the number. text number. text. Text number 609-493-8255. If you have a question or comment, you can text us here live. 609-493-8255. Well, my thought is... It seems like whenever we get, you know, these forecasts of thunderstorms, they're so severe. It's not just a, a rain event with even just teeming. But we've always had thunderstorms. Yeah, but this with the winds and de- destruction. Well, this was a tropical storm, though. Yeah. It wasn't a... I don't know. It just seems like more often, it, you know, every time you turn around every couple of weeks, the power is going out. It, it can't just normally. Do you remember this as a kid, like losing power a lot? I don't remember that, but I remember storms. I think I remember more storms than we get now. Really? <clears throat> I mean, when was the last time you had a thunderstorm? I can't remember. Mm. Right? Well, I can't remember what I had before breakfast. I know, but we had the Dureco, the destructive yeah. Dureco, so back last... on June 3rd. Right. Two months ago. Yeah, early summer. Yeah. And then we had a thunderstorm maybe in between now, because that's when the power... Mm. I don't think we lost power during the Dureco. We did. It was only for a couple of Couple hours. Couple hours, but we had one between that and this one, where we lost power for about two and a half days. Right. And we have no, we have no telephone. All of our, our power lines are underground in our neighborhood. Right. So it's not like trees hitting lines because they're underground. Although I will say this: if you're out driving, or maybe by now they cleaned it up. But again, when was the storm? Tuesday. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I travel on my commute from Flemington. And then I come on 31 through Pennington. So between Pennington and Flemington, there's that Harborton Linvale Road. Yeah. I don't know mm. if people know that back Bear, road. Bear Tavern goes into it. Bear Tavern Road goes right. into it. Right. And there's a lot of nice mm-hmm. cornfields and horse farms. Yeah. But there was a wire hanging, and um, one lane was blocked. The police car was there with his lights on. So was it like that since Tuesday? I mean, I just went up there today for the first time. Yeah, things could have fallen since then. You know? maybe, we had some maybe. branches down so the So the wire was hanging like a jump rope right across the road, and they had yellow um, plastic tied on it. Mm. So, you know, you, you wouldn't it, hit it. You had a, a tall truck or something. <laughs> but Yeah, right. But they were kind of directing traffic to sort of drive on one lane around this mm-hmm. hanging wire. You can get through, but it just took a little while, especially during times. Yeah. yeah. But weather, we have weather. What can we say? We, we have, have weather. weather and we shall God gave us night and day right. so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. Time to name that cat. By the way, well, well, congratulate Anthony. We could be proud parents a little bit. Anthony had an album released last night on uh, Amazon. Well, it's uh, anywhere, but it's on Amazon Music for his his soundtrack for the uh, game. He did a soundtrack for a video game that was just released on any of you gamers out there would know Nintendo Switch. 
I've not kept up with all the different. Uh, but the soundtrack album is out on its own. It's not, without even the game, you get the music right, that he just, wrote. Yeah. Just the music. Yeah, so he. So that's exciting. His album is released. So if you're <laughs> listening to, what if you were to say, Alexa, play Anthony Manfredoni? Tony. He goes Tony, by Tony. you got to go by Tony. Tony. Do you talk to Alexa or if do you, you ask, have if you, have... Yeah, you could ask Alexa or Google now, I'm sure, too. Just ask for music by Tony Manfredonia and his stuff will come up. And that would be on there. Not that particular jingle, though. Oh. We should put that on there. We should oh, get no, that jingle should. on there with the rest of his stuff. He would love us to put all those <laughs> jingles on there. I love the jingles. Yeah. Well, you know, I was just texting with our, our Tony, otherwise known as Anthony. We call him Anthony. Because I told him about Kristen Deasy and how she mm-hmm. lives in that... Um, Newman Center. The Newman building, Center yeah. dorm building. Mm-hmm. And you had to be Catholic to live there and have an interview right, and, and a, right. an accepting process. Right. And he would meet with the priest, and they would meet on, you know, have mass mm-hmm. and night night prayer and all that. So it was a wonderful place. But anyway, I told him that we were um, interviewing this Miss mm-hmm. Kristen D.C. So anyway, uh, and now, as I realize, we're going to name a Catholic tune. This composer is from Michigan, and that's where Anthony is. Okay. So what a small world. So here are the, here are the rules. Cheryl's going to give you some information about today's Catholic tune, the number to call will be 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. Cheryl will give you some clues and then play a little bit of it on the uh, nine-foot Steinway that we've dragged in here. And uh, when she plays that, if you think you know what it is, give us a call at 609-493-8255. All right. So uh, Suzanne Tulin joined the Sisters of Mercy in 1950, where she taught a chorus at Mercy High School. In between class times, she started writing words to a hymn and a little melody in between classes, and um, she was going to just toss it. You know, she wasn't real serious about it and and thought it was okay, but she was about to toss it, and uh, a student says, wait, wait, no, you have to keep that. And she actually presented the hymn in its final form at a diocesan music educators conference Hmm. in 1966. So this isn't one of the super old tried and true. This was right after uh, Vatican II and vernacular language was working its way into uh, then participating hymnals, Mm -hmm. you know. and um, half a century old, though. I know. To me, it seems see, that's not too long ago, right? 1960s. But a lot of the hymns, you know, you all talk about something that came from a Bach chorale. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, the, the, you know, real traditional mm-hmm. St. Thomas Aquinas things. Mm-hmm. But this is a Eucharistic base. So you think about those Eucharistic hymns that grew out of conferences and congresses. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very famous. And I would say, now here's, this is going to prove me wrong. It's been in Episcopal hymnals, Evangelical, Lutheran. It's tried and true Catholic because it's based on the discourse, uh, the bread of life discourse from mm-hmm. John and the resurrection themes. And I have a hymnal here, which is one of the major publishers. I don't know if I'm allowed to say, but I say mean, it. hundreds and hundreds of OCP, Oregon mm-hmm. Catholic mm-hmm. Press, Journey Songs. It has a million things. And would you believe it's not in here? It isn't in there, huh? I'm shocked. Yeah. It's got to be like an error because it's in every other book, every other hymn like you can imagine since 1966. Right. But I think if I play a fragment, no, I have to play from memory because okay. it's not in my book. 609-493-8255. When you think you know what this Catholic hymn is today, 
Give us a call at 609-493-8255. Here's the piece. Okay, wait a minute. Can you hear this? I can hear it. place to stop 609-493-8255 if you think you know what today's catholic hymn is 609-493-8255 think of john chapter six play it again call we have a call Hello, you're on the air. No, we don't. Hello, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, this is Arlene from Upper Freehold. Arlene from Upper Freehold. Okay, great, Arlene. What do you think today's Catholic tune is? I think it's I Am the Bread of Life. It is I Am the Bread of Life. Very good, Arlene. Great job. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, and I'm surprised you identified it because... I'm trying to picture the music in my mind. I didn't have it in my book. I didn't have it in front of me. But a lot of these hymns, you know, we've been playing them and singing them for years. So it's, I don't know if I was very accurate. So good job. (laughs) I have to tell you, I actually guessed. I'm sitting here with my husband, and I actually guessed it before you even played it. There was something you said that made me think that. Oh Well, I know what what she said that I said, oh, she said, it comes from the Bread of Life discourse. Oh, (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's a nice hint. <laughs> and then when, then when she played those few notes, it was like, like oh, that's yeah, it. that's exactly what it is. That's and right. I happen to really like that hymn. Well, oh, great, isn't it beautiful? It, it's it beautiful. Is. I, it just, I, I don't know. There's something special about that yeah. one. So. And what's, what's your parish over there in Upper Freehold, Arlene? Uh, we actually go to St. David the King. Oh, okay. okay. So Very I good. know that I've got your um, address, Arlene. All right, yes, Arlene. I know that you do. Um, <laughs> I think I have sent you something in the past in that's right. the context of cheesecake. There yes, you go. Yes, that's yes. right. Well, that, that's good, our Arlene. password indeed. So enjoy this version you're gonna we're gonna play, I am the bread of life. And of course we all know it so well. We can walk around singing it. And um, this particular arranger, it's uh, Richard Prue and the Cathedral Singers out of Chicago. And Richard Prue was always one who could just reinvent the wheel a little bit so um he does some beautiful things with this but it's it's the tried and true i'm the red okay harleen thanks for playing really enjoy it god bless you thank you you. okay god bless you both thank Thank you you. bye bye bye
Well, congratulations to Arlene. She is our winner today, naming that Catholic tune, I Am the Bread of Life, 1966. Mm-hmm. The year that Gilligan's Island was canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no know. connection with I don't him. Know why I, don't I remember think. that or what what why? what it matters, but it was. Anyway, <laughs> remember I, I was Gilligan's saying, Island. Gilligan's Island was pretty good. Yeah, but no, go back to that musical arrangement. Was that the most soothing, beautiful? Mm-hmm. Could you just sit and close your eyes? Yeah. Then? Well, we're not going to close our eyes yet. We have another hour to come. So <laughs> stay where you are, my friends, and those watching on YouTube or Facebook. We're going to go off the air for about three or four minutes. Come back on at five o'clock. Be back. Uh, in just a little bit, so stay right where you are. Don't go away. Sixty seconds with Mother Angelica. We have to think the way God thinks. See? If I hate my brother, that's not how God thinks. If you lie or cheat, that's not how God is. If you have a hot temper, if you're proud, arrogant, if you find it hard to forgive and forget, that's not like God. What does that mean? It means you're not acting like God. You know, it's foolish to think that you're going to die and pop right into heaven when you hate half the people there. (laughs) You know, you you still hate your mother-in-law. You still hate, may she rest in peace, but you hope she doesn't. (laughs) All these people you don't even like. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hardworking people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The the deal clincher is we found our way to our our parish, and we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am 
without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. The Eucharist is the one presence of Jesus that's real. It is the presence of God. He promised to leave. I will not leave you orphans. There is no comparison between the other presences of God. The presence of God is in his word. The presence of God is in me and you, or you would dissolve into nothingness. The presence of God is in creation, in the air we breathe. But when that priest says, this is my body, and this is my blood, that is the real presence of God. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is Jesus himself, alive. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. A lot of people think that street evangelization involves yelling out of a bullhorn, telling people that they're going to hell. Not so with St. Paul Street Evangelization. Our methods are non-confrontational and effective. We simply offer information on the Catholic faith, along with rosaries, miraculous medals, and prayer. Pope Francis wrote about how beautiful it is to see street preachers joyfully bringing Jesus to every corner of the earth. Street evangelization is fun and fruitful. Join us today at streetevangelization.com. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Friends, another hour of Friday Live on this August 7th, 2020. I am Jim. And this is Cheryl. And we're happy to be here with you. And coming up this hour, we're going to start with our gospel reading for this Sunday. Oh, one of my favorite gospel passages in our reflection today. Being called in live by our friend from St. Benedict's down in Homedale, the pastor of that beautiful parish, Father Gary Koch, will be with us in just a bit. But in the next uh, next half of the hour, anyway, second half of the hour, Alan Migliorato will join us to talk about his book, Failing Forward, Raising Teenagers to be Principled and Upright in the Church. So stay where you are, friends, but we'll start with our Gospel reflection. And this is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 
He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to to you, you, Lord Jesus Christ. And as I said, a little unusual today. Uh, They're always so wonderful about sending us their gospel reflections. But because of the power outage in the areas, uh, Father Gary had a little difficulty this week. So he's joining us live at the pastor of St. Benedict Parish in Homedale, Father Gary Koch. Father, thank you for uh, joining us today. Oh, it's good to be with you. I'm glad that I could do it live today instead. Well, wonderful. This is wonderful. And how appropriate as we're reading about the wind at the sea and uh, the powerful winds that... um, that had a play in why you're with us live today. <laughs> so we'll just turn it over to you, Father. Okay. My grandparents owned a large farm in the mountains of central Pennsylvania. As there were no real highways that went in that direction, it was a long journey from our house, the better part of four hours, slowly winding our way up the hills. Many of the roads skirted along the side of a mountain, offering magnificent views of the valleys below. From such a view, it is easy to understand why so many of the ancient peoples associated mountaintops with the closeness to their gods, places for encounters with the mysterious. The readings for this 19th Sunday of the year make us understand the perspective and see the perspective of a mountain. The Carmel Mountains on the Mediterranean coast of Israel are not most impressive in their height or in their majesty, but due to the vast terrain on which they sit, They provide an awesome vista of the Holy Land and the sea below. There, Elijah showed the Israelite people the power of God as he put down the prophets of Baal. Now fleeing for his life, Elijah makes the 40-day trek to Mount Horeb in the Sinai mountain range to await his call to prophecy. It was at those very mountains where Moses had encountered the Lord God in the burning bush and again in a great theophany during the Exodus as he received the commandments. In the very hand of God. We hear in our first reading of the powerful, though subtle experience of the revelation that will define the rest of Elijah's life as the first of the great prophets of the ancient Israelite world. The gospel passage continues immediately where we left off from the previous week. Jesus, having just fed the 5,000, sends the disciples away in the boat, and he goes to the mountain to pray. The evangelist does not recount for us the prayerful encounter between Jesus and his father, just noting that it was his time to go off by himself and pray. Jesus then comes down from the mountain and further reveals himself to the disciples in the walking on the water. Elijah, like Moses, was called to the mountain where they had each gifted with a deeper insight into the message and mission that God had called them to. Elijah is sent back to Israel, where he continues to serve the people as their prophet in the face of much confusion and opposition. Like Moses and many of the other prophets and patriarchs before and after him, Elijah was called to climb the mountain to encounter God. The gospel passage of this weekend reverses that encounter. After the multiplication of the loaves, Jesus sends the disciples ahead of him on the other side in the lake, 
while he ascends a mountain to be alone in prayer. But Jesus, coming down from the mountain, walks on the water near the disciples who are in the boat. The disciples are afraid and do not know what to make of this strange figure on the water. Recognizing their fear, Matthew says that at once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. It is I. This seeming simple expression reveals a much more profound truth to them. Jesus has just used the Greek term that expresses the unspoken name of God. The readings then for this weekend remind us of the fundamental tenet of our Christian faith, where once one had to climb the mountain in order to find God, as did Elijah and Moses before him. God in the person of Jesus has descended the mountain in search of us. This radically changes both our understanding of God and our understanding of what it means to be a human person. The intimacy of the relationship between God and humanity, ruptured by the first sin, has been restored in Jesus. Jesus puts a face on the God who only showed his back as he walked past Moses and who was only known in the quiet of the whisper as he revealed himself to Elijah. The disciples were not quite ready for the full weight of what has been revealed to them. Peter thought he was ready, but he sank under the weight of his own doubt. There was much more that he and the other disciples must yet experience with Jesus before they come to understand fully who Jesus is. The incarnation, that in Jesus, God becomes a human being, literally changes anew the relationship between humanity and God. It is for us now to recognize the presence of God in our midst, in the ordinary encounters of our daily lives. Father, thank you so much. Beautiful reflection. We appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jim. Take care. God bless. God bless you. God thank bless you. you. Bye now. Right. Bye. And friends, you stay where you are. There is more to come, and we'll be right back. So don't go away. We have uh, Alan Migliorato will be joining us in just a bit. But we'll be right back with more. Stay right where you are.
Welcome back, and once again, thanks to Father Gary Koch for taking some time. He has had no power over there, over there in uh, Homedale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're happy. Always a joy to hear him and all of our other wonderful priest friends who volunteer and send us their reflections every Friday. It's a joy to have them here. And it's nice that it's preparatory. So now on Sunday when I hear it, then I get another reflection. You know, a different twist. My favorite. One of my. What are my favorite gospels? I love that gospel. First of all, it involves a boat. Second of all, <laughs> I was just going to say, it could Second. have something to do with the boat. Second and the sea. All, and the, and sea, the sea and the water and, and the, 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 the doubt and the fear and the and trust and the saving. good friend, go way, way back to the very, very beginning when you were thinking about leaving the corporate world to pursue Father this nudging and calling. Good Father Doherty said you just have Jim, to get, get out. get out of the boat. In fact, you know, it's funny you say that. I was, I was telling the story yesterday. About the day before yesterday, you and I were here, we were driving back, and I asked, I, I just out of the blue, I thought of Deacon Bill Yacobellis from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I said, whatever, mm. I haven't, we haven't talked about him or thought about him for years and years, and he had passed away. That, yes, uh, when that I, very day. That, yeah. So, but now you mentioned Father Doherty. I was on my desk, and you see, my desk is always so neat. It's yeah, always so neat. You need that, uh, what does she call that, organizational development? <laughs> But I was moving some things around just to straighten it out, and there was there was his prayer card, his holy card from his, his uh, funeral. Mm. And uh, May twelfth, two thousand five, he passed away. Mm. 
and a nice picture of Father Doc. He was always a good friend of ours. He was. Yes. He would surprise us. Yes. He, first of all, he was a paratrooper in the Second World War. You well, know. Didn't you ask him what did you say? He had a picture. You... He had a picture of himself in his. You know, he he had his little little room up in the rectory there, mm-hmm. and he had a picture of himself with the parachute on, about to jump out of the plane. And I didn't do it. Father Weedman, the pastor, God rest his soul, too, told the story. He said, Father, when you jumped out of the plane, what'd you do? Yell Geronimo? And he goes, heck no. I said, oh, my God, I am heartily sorry for that. (laughs) He was wonderful. So supportive and encouraging and always had a kind word and a blessing for the children. Didn't he used to send us little things for holidays? He would send us little notes, little cards. Little checks, too, sometimes. I know, (laughs) gifts, too generous. (laughs) To the children, to our children when they were at Christmas time or Easter time. He was just a wonderful holy priest. uh, You know, in his later years, he was still living at the rectory there at Queen of the Universe, and the rectory, I guess his room window faced... The parking lot, but then during the day, that was the playground, right? right, the, right kids, the, the kids, the kids would yeah, go out at recess, and they would be out there, and he would be in the window just watching. And if somebody looked up, you know, he'd wave to them from yeah. there. It was like it was like all, it was like yeah, but it was like it was like you know, it was like the church in the old days. Yeah, you had a, a vibrant Catholic school. You had the the, the, the at the, the time presence. three priests li- living there in the rectory. Good, good, solid men. Mm. You had the nuns in the rect in the uh, in uh, convent the, across the way. Right. And teaching in the school wearing their habits i mean it was it was was just a good time that's when our kids were growing up so it wasn't even our generation was our kids generation i know we were very blessed to be there and then i remember it was his birthday so the school all gathered under his window and uh sang happy happy birthday birthday, yeah yeah Yeah, he he was he was a a great great priest god rest his soul but i found his his holy card his prayer card on my desk the other day and uh i always i think of him often because it was the very beginning of Starting this journey, yeah, yeah, that he would encourage me. I didn't really have an official spiritual director, but he would talk to me a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just a real man's man. He was just, and, 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 and you know, yes. at the time, I'll never forget this. And again, we pray for him, our, our, our friend, Father Karapi, who we don't know where he is or what happened, but we know that for 20 years he was a wonderful teacher in good standing with the church. And it was, I can remember what it was. It was, it was Good Friday uh, uh, on um, 1999. And I was at the other radio station. And we aired at that time, Father Karapi did a Triduum series, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. That would air on the radio. That really brought him to the fore. I mean, it right. really was a powerful series. Well, his booming voice, you know. And um, I'll never forget when... We aired that Good Friday, and after Good Friday services, Father Doherty came over to me because we had aired it in the morning, nine o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning. And Father Doherty came over, and he had tears in his eyes. He goes, "Who is that man? I just heard. Who is that?" And I said, yes. "I explained who he was." And it was oh, maybe a few months later that we brought um, Father Karapi to our to that parish to do a, a mission at the parish. And I I said, "Watch that." I couldn't wait. Father Doherty came into the church and. Father, I brought Father Karapi over to Father Karapi. This is Father Doherty, Father Doherty, Father Karapi. And he just shook his hand. Good young man. He goes, you are. He was just so thrilled. Yes. And, of course, Father was staying in the rectory with them. Yes. And he had breakfast together with them. Just a wonderful – Father Doherty was a wonderful, wonderful priest. Uh, yeah. Had a lot of influence on what we do here, I think, because mm-hmm. he was so supportive of everything we were trying to do. And he mm-hmm. would – well, I would do my program. Come to me. I would do that program. Again, we're at the other station up in Doylestown, and and 
at the end of my program, two minutes after the program was over, my phone would ring. He would call. He you. would critique me. He would <laughs> tell me, "Well, you said this. That, that was good. That was no. You said that. He, was, he would give me some, yes, some uh, some good good information, so, some good uh, critique." In an unofficial way, yeah. he was very much a spiritual yeah. director who was guiding and yeah. shaping, you know, yeah. what you were doing. Yeah, I'd be on the air, and then the phone would ring, and he'd he'd, he'd let me know what he thought, mm-hmm. and this was good. He made a good point there. <laughs> was, yeah. was, he was a good man. Yes. So. Anyway, I don't know how we get on that. I oh, I know. found his card. Oh, yeah. I guess. Oh, but you started talking about the deacon. Oh, who, Deacon Billy Hacabellas, yeah. God rest his soul. I guess soul. we met him when we were Through at that the radio station. other radio station. He was from the Archdiocese. Of Philadelphia. And I think I had him on my show a few times. I think Probably. I had him on my program. Yeah. Very as beautiful a family. Yeah. And a great deacon. We bought a car from him. He sold his car. That's right. He had a car <laughs> place in maybe Abington or somewhere. Somewhere Ambler, over. Somewhere, somewhere over in that area, yeah. Um, but uh, he, uh, again. But see, you know, when somebody's placed on your mind or your heart like that, gee, you haven't, we haven't had any correspondence with him. No, we and I touched base in and years hadn't and years. thought of him in years. And all of a sudden he pops into your mind. Sometimes that means, that I've heard it said, that they, they need your prayers. Mm-hmm. And then, don't you know, he had passed away that day. Yeah. Calling so. on you to pray for him. Mm. And that happened to me I, I, with in, when we were in Rome. And I, I still remember this. I, w- I was sitting in one of the. We were in the. I was in one of the by myself. I was just sitting around, and I thought of, and again, the gentleman's name was Tom Lempfert. He was the the athletic director at St. Peter's High School when I was there. And I became friends. I became friends with him. He, you know, I, I couldn't play sports, but I liked sports, and he had me like to be scorekeeper and thing, and bring me to the ball games and stuff. Um, and I was just again out of the blue, out of the blue. I'm sitting in the in the in the lobby of the hotel in Rome, and this one, is of, years one of our pilgrimages. Yeah. And I thought of him, and I thought, yeah, what are we doing now? I went, I Googled Tom Lefford, and he died the day before. Oh my god. He had just died the day before. Well, call me if you start thinking about me <laughs> in, in an unusual way. Let me know I, as soon as you start thinking. Well, when I have, when I, have, I they're already gone. When yeah. I so, so I'll, I'll know. I'll probably know then. <laughs> Although you got a good blood report yesterday, so I know poster child for all things that could be. But so was I. So what does that mean? Level or in the body? I got good work and triglycerides and uh, you name it. I got the whole gamut workup because it's been over a year. And she said, "You are just a poster child with these numbers." I kind of want to see it with my name on it that she wasn't reading somebody else's Mm. chart. I kind of want proof. Mm. But I have to believe, right? You have to have faith. Right. You can't doubt. So we'll be around for a while, God willing. Mm-hmm. If we can ever <laughs> see anybody again. I hope Twitter. the children are listening. We're here. We're here. Yeah, here, uh, here we are. Here we are. Again. Deja vu all over again, as Yogi would say. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you never know. And I know you read, I, I mentioned also uh, our dear young friend Maria up in Doylestown Hospital. Um, yes. Still there, and we've communicated a little bit with her parents. But uh, that hospital was hit by a tornado on uh, Tuesday. Uh, she was her room, but the room next to hers did have some damage. Right. But her you just said that fine. tornado ran from Franklin. Was it? Typical, they don't call it Franklin Mills anymore, do they? They call it something else. Oh uh, well, the people, mall down there, Franklin Mills Mall. You know, the outlet center. But you said that tornado went from Franklin Mills straight up beeline up to Doylestown. Right. I think it's called Philadelphia Mills, but you know uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah. The, the the um, outlets, yeah. and that is just where um, Philadelphia border meets Ben Salem, I guess you could say, right, mm-hmm. right there. That's yeah, right 95, there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it traveled up through the Dunks Ferry area, just a straight beeline from Franklin Mills, northeast Philadelphia, to Doylestown. So 
That's it could like, have been like a real tornado to the effect that I well, thought it had to be flat ground for tornadoes to hit. Right. And uh, really ride along, you know. Yeah, it said it was a stretch of 20 miles. So, That's hard And to. I think it wasn't like when you watch The Wizard of Oz, you know, you visually see that. There was no cloud. scarecrow. No. <laughs> But Dorothy, the, funnel, the witch Dorothy. on the bike, uh, that's what I want to see. Dun, 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 but anyway, you can Google that. Go to, uh, you know, Bucks County, Franklin Mills, Doylestown. Wow. T- just Google any of those things, the tornado, and it'll give you the act- actual latitude and longitude. The speed of the winds at some points were over 100 miles per hour. Now, and, I've never um, seen a tornado. You lived in Oklahoma for a while. Did you ever see I one? I never really see one, no. Well, they do uh, touch down in Oklahoma. A- they have them. Oh, they do, but I never stood outside and watched one go by. But would you, would you, were you there when one came by? I was oh. never th- mm. lived through any of that. Mm. Um, I was away at school. My parents were there. Mm. I would come and go a little bit. Mm. Um, never really. Although had when to we were in bunker down and we were in Alabama, we were there for mother's mother's funeral. That's the night the before, I ever came. the night before there was the wake, and we were in the in the shrine there in Hansville. Mm-hmm. We and maybe a hundred other people. Mm. And Father Joseph came up and said, we just got word from the Weather Service that there's a hurricane warning in the area, so you can't leave. We have to stay there. Right, with the potential for tornadic activity. Yeah, tornado, yeah. So we were we were actually in the shrine with Mother laid out there in, in her body. And everybody had to stay. And we had to stay. We couldn't leave. We had all to stay there. And then um, we, we eventually did get to drive home, I guess, drive to the hotel. Remember they had they had shelters along the way though. They remember they, yes. they, like on the street corner there'd be a tornado shelter just right. out of the just they have them around like phone booths. Right, right. you just go in. You could go and hide if you don't have a basement. But they would um, they were helping everybody to their car. Remember they had a, a bunch of staff. Yeah, we had big the umbrellas and big golf carts. And golf carts so they took us to our cars. Yeah, but I remember when Father Joseph came by. He's so calm. He's, yes. We've had word from the weather service that there is some tornado activity in the area, so we're all going to have to stay here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and well, who cared? We were there with mother in the in, in, in the shrine. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go anywhere anyway. So she decided it wasn't long enough. That's right. You're not going anywhere. Stay right here with me. <laughs> so we stayed. And uh, yeah. but I do remember seeing those. Tor- and yet, oh, that was Hansville. Uh, it's about an hour north of Irondale, but Irondale. Has mountains. I mean, there's it's, it's a mountainous area. So that's what protects you, really. Right. So the same when when I lived um, for that short while, my parents lived there a lot longer. It was Tulsa, Oklahoma, which already is um, rolling hills and and some little mountains mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. get towards the uh, e- the states east of them. But as you get out to the western panhandle, that's where the tornadoes really hit because you just need. Flat. Miles and miles of flat fields. Right. You know, where the oil rigs are. And that's where the tornadoes really travel and do a lot of damage. But right. Tulsa, it seemed like it would hit a hill crest and bump over Tulsa and then touch down. Touchdown By again. then, you're in Kansas or something. Hmm. So, well, uh, let's see. Who's that text from? <laughs> we're on live radio. You know what I wanted to make mention as yes. now we're here on First Friday? The next first First Friday will be September. Mm. And um, Labor Day weekend, probably. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. But traditionally, First Fridays would be dedicated to the Sacred Heart, First right. Friday of the month, mm-hmm. and then Saturday um, to Our the Lady. The Immaculate Heart. Yeah. Can you think back? We were still at, I'm going to go back to Queen of the Universe, and we would have first the first Friday into Saturday an overnight prayer mm-hmm. vigil yeah. dedicated to Our Lady. It was by the, the Blue, Blue Army. Army. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would be there. There would be a mass to start it off, maybe 7.30 or 8 o'clock. There would be another mass at midnight, mm-hmm. and then mass first thing on Saturday dedicated first Saturday, to yeah. the Sacred Heart and 
macular heart of Mary. Mm-hmm. And you do them nine weeks, nine months in a row. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But yet um, in Flemington, we're going to do something leading up to Election Day. So this is going to tie in with Feast of the um, with First Fridays. Mm-hmm. So third, the Thursday evening, for example, September third and October first. Mm-hmm. Those are Thursdays at seven o'clock in the evening. We're going to pray the Rosary. And we have our beautiful prayer cards, prayers for our at St. Magdalene. At St. Magdalene. Using our prayer card. Using our prayer card. Mm. And dedicating ourselves to the sacred heart of Jesus, dedicating our country and reparation to the to the sacred heart for all good things and um, truth and faith and justice to mm-hmm. prevail leading up to Election Day. So that's September 3rd, October 1st, and November 1st. Okay. We're going to do that each night at, at 7 Magdalene. o'clock. Prayers for our country. So. I'll put it put on, on the bulletin board. Bulletin board. Give Janet, she's always looking for stuff to put on the bulletin board. I know, because now there's not a lot of <laughs> bulletin lot board items. Now. So anyone listening, if your parish thinks they're going to have something in some way, I know there's a lot of virtual activity, uh, opportunities yeah, to we'll come put together it on the for prayer. And give the link to the uh, to the Zoom meeting, whatever you're having there. Yeah, let's, let's now hope that things are going to pick up in the fall. I hope so. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Alan Migliorato will join us to talk about failing forward, raising teenagers to be principled and upright, and more. So stay where you are, my friends. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
All right, my friends, welcome back. Alan Migdorato has been married since 1993. He's raised three daughters. He has owned a sign and advertising company based in Orlando uh, area for the past 20 years. He has a certification in youth ministry from the University of Dayton. He's the founder of Adventure Catholic Leadership Formation Training, and he achieved the rank of Eagle Scout and is a veteran of the United States Army. And he has written a brand new book we want to talk about, Failing Forward. Alan, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you on. We've had you on before. It's always uh, happy to have you back. Failing Forward. So I had to do a double take when I read that title. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, Failing Forward. What what, what is this about? So tell us a little bit about the the impetus and and the genesis behind that title and and the content itself. Sure. Uh, So the reason that I wrote this book with my co-author is um, through our our formation training, uh, our leadership training, uh, which which was founded so that we could stop losing people in the Catholic Church, because we figured that there are two trigger events that we lose the majority of our teens with the church. And one is confirmation. After they get confirmed, some of them treat it as though it's a, a finish line, that they've just reached the goal and they're done. Mm-hmm. And the second one is when they move away from home and they go to college mm-hmm. and, and they're not being told to go uh, to church anymore. And both of these events have um, a responsibility that, that, is in, that is engaged with it, so it's connected very well both of these events. When you're when you're on your own, you're responsible for yourself. When you get confirmed, parents tell you, okay, now you're an adult in the faith. Now you've got to make some decisions on your own. And that decision usually is, I'm going to try something that I, on my own that my parents aren't telling me what to do. This is also connected with the way that these teens are being raised. If they're always told what to do and how to do it, they can't really experiment and and educate themselves on on knowing how to fail and knowing how to how to overcome that failure. And if you think about this for a second, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm Italian, so you're going to have to stop we un- me. We understand, if, if, Alan. We understand. Okay, good. <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> so well, we can see, we, we can see your hands. We can see your hands moving too. That's by the right. way, I, I am. I'm hitting my. I'm sitting in my car, so I'm hitting my window. With my hand. Right. I hope you don't hear that. <laughs> Think about the way that teens are, are, are wired. They love to play video games, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason that we've found that the studies that we've done on this, that they love to play these video games is because their parents aren't sitting right next to them telling them when to jump, when to, when to throw the ball, when to, to shoot the basket. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing it on their own. And when they don't succeed, we see their engagement levels raise. So it's because they're allowed to experiment. They're allowed to overcome that failure. But we don't tell kids they fail anymore. If you think about the kids that play sports in, in, in leagues that, that are very little, they got 10 teams that are all playing uh, for a championship, and they all get a trophy at the end. Right. It's, we're afraid to tell them that they failed. Well, how can you learn from something if you don't know that there's something to learn? That's right. Yeah, I remember many, many, many years ago, because I'm slightly handicapped. I, I had polio when I was a kid. I wear a brace on my right leg. But I've always loved baseball, and I, I was always pretty good at it, too. Um, but when I went to try for Little League, I was, I was nine years old, and, and, and they, they wouldn't let me play because I couldn't run. They were afraid I was going to trip over the base or some silly thing. And they just said, you can't play. And my, my dad said to me, you know, you know just, just that's life, basically. You know, you learn, you learn the lesson. That's just who you are, and, and that's an obstacle you have. And, and there was no let's make accommodations for him. And it was just that's it. That's part of life. And I think today, even, Alan, you know, we talk about it often. When, we, when Cheryl and I were growing up, and I know you're, you're younger than we are, but, you know, we'd leave the house on a summer morning at 9 o'clock in the morning and not come back till lunchtime and then go back out again, not come back to dinner time. We were on our own, and we were making our own decisions all along those ways. 
And that yeah. doesn't happen a lot anymore. It doesn't, you know, and what we've done today is instead of, you know, telling if we had a kid today who couldn't play baseball, we'd just sue the league and say, if you're not making a handicap accessible, <laughs> right, so, right. you know, the, the bases should be flat so that nobody will trip over them. Right, you know, exactly. and the ball should be softer so nobody gets hurt. That's right. So we've got to stop wearing these kid gloves if we want our children to be raised to be, to be leaders. And we wonder, well, oh my gosh, this kid's 20 years old. He's still, you know, living at home and he doesn't have any ambition. I wonder why <laughs> we're not letting them fail. You know, it's we got to point the fingers at ourselves. So we've come up with a five-step program uh, in our in our book, and it's called in Failing Forward. It's called COPEC. So we've got challenge, observe, process, evaluate, and challenge again. And it's for parents to use at home. Now, originally, when when we wrote this, when we wrote Failing Forward, uh, it was directed at youth ministers, at, at parish administration, and it was for them to pass on to their small group leaders so that their small group leaders could pass on. What we found is we need to hit it right on the target. We need to get to the first catechist of children, which are their parents. Right. And, and we've kind of, and I know that you guys have probably experienced this too, with all the quarantining and everything that's been going on, we're seeing that that our home is really the first church that we need to make sure that Jesus is present in. Right. And without without Jesus present in our homes, we can go to a building every Sunday and then close the door of the church and pretend that Jesus waits there for us every Sunday. But that's not the way our faith works. Jesus right. has got to be present in everything we do and every drop of sweat that comes out of our bodies, every tear that comes from our eyes and every breath we take. And without that, without our kids understanding that, uh, it, they're not going to be Catholic very long. They're not also going to be Christian very long. Mm. We're talking with Alan Migliorato, and he and, and Daryl Zizic. Is that how to pronounce his last name? Zizic. He's not here. We don't have to pronounce it right. Boom, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Just call him Daryl. Just call him Daryl. Uh, but they've written this book called Failing Forward. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. That's sophiainstitute.com is their website. Uh, and, Alan, how, as a, a veteran, and thank you for your service, a veteran of the U.S. Army, did your Army training have something to do with this, too? Did you pick up a lot of what you learned in the Army and, 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 this, and put it in the book? There's bits of every part of my life that have gone in the, into this book. My dad was a professional boxer growing up, so I learned a lot of, uh, of you know, things, uh, traits that, and, and education, way to way to train other other kids to be leaders through what I learned from him. Um, my mom is a business owner. I've been in the military and Boy Scouts. So yeah, there's there's a lot of it that goes into it. It's it's a good mix. It's a good. Um, you know, it's a good wedding soup, I like to call it, of, of everything that, that goes into training leaders. It seems like the scouts would would have a good role to play, too, because there's, you know, they're, they're about forming good leaders and having the kids, uh, you know, meet challenges and meet goals and make good choices. I mean, it seems like that's part of the training ground as well. It, it really is. And a lot of uh, there's a story that I tell in the book, um, uh, Failing Forward, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have it there. But it's about when I went on a, a camp out when I was looking to get my Eagle Scout Award. And that was the perfect example of our COPEC method. And I mean, I can I can share some of it with you. if you Please like. do. Please. So I was supposed to be in charge of this camp out. And this was I was a senior patrol leader and I was 14 years old at the time. And it was right before it was like the last camp out we were going to go on before I got my Eagle Scout Award. And my, my dad was a scoutmaster and he said, OK, you're in charge. Now, when my dad would put me in charge or anybody in charge, he was he was telling us that we're in charge. Don't come and ask him any questions. It's our responsibility. If we're going to be the leader, then we've got to pretend or stop pretending that that other people are the people to answer questions. Mm. So he would say, here's your responsibility. You're in charge of this camp out. 
So I had to make the reservations at the camp out, the campground. I had to make sure that we had enough chaperones. I had to make sure we had the food. So I, in, in turn, delegated a lot of that responsibility to the patrol, the patrol leaders. So we had, you know, four different patrols of about seven different kids each. So, you know, 28, 28 kids all together, 29, 30 kids. And then we had adults and I had to organize this whole thing. So long story short, I did everything. I, I everything perfectly, except I put myself in charge of the food. So I made sure we had the food. But the one thing that I didn't make sure is that we left the church with the food on the way to the campground, which was about three and a half, four hours away. Mm-hmm. So we get and my dad right before I got in the car. I remember him saying, you got everything? I, I said, yeah, I said, everybody's in the car. We're just ready to go. He goes, OK. And he knew he, he knew. knew. I found out later that he knew I didn't have the food. Oh, my. Right, and most people would be like, "Say, well, that's awful. Why didn't you stop him?" Because he did. He let me fail, and yeah. he let me learn from it. Right. So we get to the campground, and you know, he says, "Okay, well, well uh, what, what's your next step here? What are you doing?" I just need to know a time frame. So I need, you know, I need a timeline. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, well, I'm going to have everybody set the tents up. And then, you know, I don't know, about 7 o'clock or so, we're going to eat dinner, 6.37. He goes, okay, let's let's say 7 then. Is that okay with you? And I said, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody's setting the tents up, and I go to find the food. And I said, look, guys, around 6 o'clock, I told the guys who were cooking, you guys are going to be cooking. Let's go get the food out, and let's get the kitchen set up. So they come back to me, and they said, well, there's no food. Where's the food? So, of course, we're all frantic looking mm-hmm. for the food. I go up to my father, and I said, look, I left the food back at the campground. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, yeah? He goes, wow, that's awful. <laughs> he goes, oh, so what are you going to do about dinner? And I said, well, can we go to back and get it? He goes, Alan, we drove three and a half hours to get here. We're not driving another three and a half and another three and a half back. We might as well all go home. Mm-hmm. He, goes, but, he goes, but we're not going to do that. He goes, you're going to find something for dinner. I go, Dad, there's like 50 people here. What do you want me to do? I said, you know, and with my sarcastic self at the time, at like being 14, I said, maybe we can have Jesus show up with five loaves, you know, <laughs> and a couple and of fish. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, Alan, he goes, whatever you want to do. He goes, that's fine. If you can get Jesus to show up, that's fine. If not, you need to figure out what to do for dinner. Wow. Oh, boy. Right. So you would think, like, this is tough love. Yeah. Right. And in a way it is. But I'll tell you what we did. I got all the, the kids together, the leaders that I had selected, delegated responsibility mm-hmm. to. And I said, look, here's the situation. So we drove through when we went there an orange grove. And one of the kids said, look, that orange grove is like half a mile down the road. He goes, let me and another kid go and we'll get a bunch of oranges. So I said, all right, you guys go get oranges. We all had to pair up. We couldn't be by ourselves. So, you know, this is back in the 80s. Yeah. So he said, okay, you're going to go get oranges. And, and the other kids said, look, we're right on a lake. Well, let's just go fishing. And so we did. We went fishing. And some other kids said, look, there's some palm tree, you know, like the small palms, those little palm trees. Yeah. So we cut those and we had the hearts of palm. We caught a ton of little fish, just little brim. And we had oranges for three days. <laughs> That's all that we ate. Wow. Right? But none of us starved. Right. I'm here to tell the story. Yes. And, and I learned. And my father said, well, what did you learn? Yeah. Right? And I said, well, I learned that I should pack the food next time. He goes, <laughs> he goes yeah, that would probably be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what he told me, his observation of me was, or his, yeah. his evaluation was, you did fine. He goes, you, you got worried there for a little bit. But, you know, he said, I saw you freak out there for a little bit and get frustrated. He goes, but then that only lasted a few minutes and you snapped right into how are we going to fix this problem? Right. Not poor me. And that meant so much to me that he trusted me 
to to do that because a lot of times parents stop kids before they get to that point when you know before they get in the car hey you forgot this hey you forgot that you're not always going to be there it's like waking your kid up on sunday morning hey it's time to go to church don't forget to go to church did you say your prayers before bed did you brush your teeth i mean the kid's 24 years old leave him alone right i think you know telling that story alan i'm I'm thinking of your dad had to trust you from the very beginning not having to put the food in the trunk and say oh by the way i did bring it he left it and that- yeah, he left. He knew because I told him later, I said, you know, when we came back from the campground, he was giving me my evaluation. He goes, he goes I knew you left the food there. I said, well, why did you? I was, <laughs> you know, of course, big mouth. I said, what, what the heck's the matter with you? Why didn't you tell me? Right. He goes, I'm not, I said, I'm not the leader. You're in charge. Yeah. He goes, I'm not supposed to tell you what to do. Wow. He goes, if you don't want to lead, then tell me. And then you don't have to lead. He said, but when you tell me you want to lead, you tell me you're in control, then you be in control. Because I'm not going to pretend that you are if you're not. Wow. The book is called Failing Forward, and it's published by Sophia Institute Press. SophiaInstitute.com is their website. Alan Migliorato, along with Daryl, wrote the book. We have Alan with us today. Uh, Alan, who who would you say, I mean, I know it's for parents, but is there a particular age group that, you know, people have, uh, is it teenagers, is it, you know, uh, tweens? Uh, who is this really geared toward? That's, that's a great question. It really is. And, and it really is never too early to start training your kids to be leaders. Mm-hmm. If you wait, you know, the longer you wait to do it, the harder it is. It's kind of like teaching an old dog new tricks. You know, well, mom, you did my laundry for me my whole life. Why Why are you making me do it now? I'm 15. Right. Well, right. you know, it's time to start giving kids responsibility and really giving them responsibility, not pretending to. Mm-hmm. So I, we had a, Daryl and I did a, a talk show a while ago where, the the host had had a, a seven or eight year old son. I think it was eight, just about eight. And we gave her a challenge to give to him, which was to cook dinner for the entire family. And then she had us back on and talked about it. And she said, I said, how'd it go? She goes, I I failed miserably. And I loved hearing that (laughs) because I said, well, how did you fail? She said, well, as soon as he started, you know, um, wanting to to cook, she goes, I was telling him, no, no, that's not how you do it. And she goes, and I caught myself and I just waited Mm -hmm. and watched. And that's the biggest, hardest part for parents. So, yes, it's great for teens, especially, you know, this is when you get to the red zone is where we think – you know, 17, 18, that's the red zone where they need this. Yeah. They need it right now, and they need it in a thick, heavy dose. Right. Um, when they're, you know, seven, eight, nine, five years old even, you can start implementing some of these things so it seems natural to them. As they get older, they won't think anything of the challenges that they're facing because it's natural to overcome them. They can fail forward. And, you know, I see some of this um, parenting skill uh, type um, in our oldest son with the you know we have the grandchildren now the the little girls almost four but in their um parenting style i see them giving her a choice well in this case you can do a or maybe you could do b but but they're letting her make the choice and then live with that choice not just say okay it's time to put your sweater on or it's raining you have to wear your boots like they'll present a situation and say what do you think we need to do and and i've just been observing that in their parenting style and i thought this this is great because like you said as they, as the situations get more difficult and more challenging, um, it's a style that they're already accustomed to. We're just turning up the heat a little bit as they get older. Oh, it's beautiful. That's beautiful that they're doing that. There's a lot of science that goes into this, too. The girls up until the age of about 20, uh, their prefrontal cortex in their brain, like right in the front 
of their brain is still forming and guys until they're about 22 or 23. But what the problem is, and we see a lot of adults who can't hold down a job, who, you know, who are narcissistic, who are always a victim and it's always somebody else's fault, um, no matter what happens to them, they haven't been given the opportunity to use that cognitive thinking to exercise their cognitive thinking. And there's literal physical changes that happen to kids' brains as they're growing up if they're allowed to use cognitive thinking. Mm -hmm. So if you look at your granddaughter who's allowed to make choices, eventually they won't even have to present her with these options because she's going to know it's raining. Do I want an umbrella or do I want a raincoat or do I want to stay home or do I want to just run for it? Like Mm -hmm. she's going to be able to make these own decisions on her own. But more more importantly is how do we keep our kids connected to our faith, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's great to, to raise leaders, but if you don't have Jesus as a focus in your life, and yes, I'm still talking with my hands right now. If you don't have Jesus as that focus, it doesn't matter how good of a leader you are. Right. That's right. Exactly right. Alan Nigodorato has been our guest, friends, and unfortunately our, our time is up. The book is called Failing Forward. SophiaInstitute.com is the website. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, Alan, do you, I, I think I remember, do you have a website or that people can go to? I do. It's AdventureCatholic.com. And you can get uh, you're going to be able to hear our interview because if you send me a link to it, I'll put that on there. All right. And uh, and and um, you can you can download or not download the books. You can buy the books, but you can. There's a whole lot of information at adventurecatholic.com. Very good. Well, let me ask you real quick. So, COPEC, it was challenge, observe, process, process. evaluate, and challenge again. We got to keep challenging. That's why this is a method, not a system. Yes. All right. Well, yes. great work, uh, Alan, and, and, and God bless you for all you're doing for the church and uh, setting such a great example, especially as a, as a, as a father and, and, and a leader. So thank you for that. Thank you. God thank bless you. you. Thank you. God, God bless, bless you guys, too. Thanks for having me. Well, okay. we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, friends, and you stay where you are. Be right back. Don't go away. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to, and I know where I'm going, and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze that lasted forever. Great kiss. Those things are really important. She got a really short haircut that she hated, and I wrote her a note and put it up on the mirror saying that she was a cute girl with cute hair. What have I done for my marriage today? We've actually organized a date night tonight. What have I done for my marriage today? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. (laughs) Today, I sent an email to my husband, and I said, you rock. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. I listened to my wife uh, when we talked on the telephone today. She really likes it when I listen. 
What have you done for your marriage today? Little things can make a big difference. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. She really likes it when I listen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that. As opposed to those times when I don't listen. When mm-hmm. I don't listen. And we've all been there. I listen all the time. I'm listening. <laughs> right? That's right. I listen. That's right, you do. I, she likes it when I listen. <laughs> <laughs> we should record those little clips. I love, my favorite one is the guy that she laughs at all my jokes. Ah, 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 ah. ah. <laughs> that, that guy. Uh, well, we could tell stories. We could have. We could have little. We could make our own little clips. We could do a whole series of things that we've experienced over thirty-five years of wedded bliss. That's because we're old. Older, <laughs> older. I, though I, I will say, yes. what's the now is August, so four months I'll be collecting Social Security. <laughs> yeah, you get all this mail from like Medicare. And oh, Medicaid that was last year when I turned sixty-five. But now that were, I, I'll, there was even knocks on the door that they were hunting you they down. They look for you. They look yeah. for you. But now I can start collecting my Social Security and. and I remember when my father was 65, I thought, man, dad's getting old. <laughs> one of, one of our fun, kids is saying the same thing. Yeah. Boy, dad's getting old. <laughs> I hope not. Although my father never wore jeans. No. It's a it's a different generation. Or sneakers. Now. You know, I have my sneakers on or a T-shirt. He was, you know, yeah. when he was 65, he dressed like a 65-year-old man. Right. The pants remember was up you're... above his belly button and, you yeah. know. <laughs> Flannel Everything shirt. was from like Sears and Roebuck, right? Yeah. Like those green kind of, I want to say the khaki pants, but yeah. they were gr- dark yeah. green. Yeah. I can remember I mean, my dad. Flannel shirts and things. He wore them. Shirts tucked in. Tucked in. Mm-hmm. And he'd wear a suit to mass. And he always had a tie on. You know, he had a tie on. Maybe not, maybe not as he got older, but I remember when I was growing up, he always had a t- jacket and tie on. Sure. Right. Sure. Had a hat, had a little fedora. Mm-hmm. Little Those chapeau. were the days, huh? dressing for church. Yeah. And they used to even have, remember in the pews in church that had the clip to put your hat? Yes, those little clips. Yeah, that was for the man's hat. Oh, okay. To put his hat there. I used to put my envelope <laughs> on that clip. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. They'd put, and they would have the names of the parishioners on the pews. If you made donations, like at least St. Peter's in New Brunswick had the names Okay. Of the person who who not bought but donated to for the pew made and a donation. Is that I mean is that your family pew? Is that where you sit? Yep. Is that true? In the old days, Rita used to tell mm, me that story. Rita, Rita Garrigan, she was way old school. Yes. Turn turn the last century. I'll tell you though, I saw something now when we were quarantined. People were home. No one could go to church. At least up in our area, when people were permitted back in, first it was you could have twenty five distance. Um, or maybe 50 people. Now we're up to, we're allowed 100. I guess it depends on the size of your church. And of course, what diocese and what state and all that. But in New Jer- in Central Jersey, Diocese of Metuchen, we're permitted 100. But when people were first coming back and allowed to come to Mass, they were dressing. They were dressing oh, really? to the nines. Oh. And they would come and say, coming to see Jesus and they That's all dress up now they're starting to get a little lax a little yeah. again but um, it was a beautiful thing because I think just the appreciation yeah, level was turned way up well uh, our time is up here friends so we're going to head on out of here I did see that also there's maybe a flash flood warning in the area so they're expecting more heavy rain so be careful do not take it from me do not drive into standing no water. cars do float that's right and if you don't see the road and engines do 
get locked up and hydro locked and destroyed. Hydro locked, so. and you might need a new engine. Take yeah. it from someone who's been there up the creek without a paddle. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Well, uh, you have a great weekend, friends. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to our guests, to Kristen and to Alan and uh, Arlene. Arlene for playing Name That Catholic Tune. And uh, I'll be back on Tuesday, God willing. Have a great rest of your day and okay. weekend. God bless you. Thank you.